Hello, this is Robert Rickover at Body Learning, and today my guest is Mark Josephsberg, who's an Alexander Technique teacher in Manhattan. He teaches in the Chelsea and Flatiron sections of Manhattan. And we're going to talk today about the use of hands in Alexander teaching and possibly and the the use of not using hands in Alexander technique teaching. Uh Mark, welcome to the show. Thank you, Robert. So Mark is going to actually interview me. I should have mentioned that earlier. Uh so it I'm turning it over to you, sir. All right. Well, uh Thanks for inviting me, Robert, and uh, welcome to your show, as uh, I'd like to do. Yep, thank you. First, uh, you're welcome. Uh, firstly, uh, what is your interest in this topic specifically? Well, uh, I guess the history of it is that for most of my Alexander teaching career, I took for granted, or for a good part of it, I took for granted the idea that hands were an integral part of Alexander teaching the whole idea. It's a standard argument. Teacher can say something to someone and uh, they may not uh, they may not do what they what the teacher has in mind because of misinterpretation, um, all all the usual suspect reasons. And so the teacher uses his or her hands to gently guide their student and actually show them what they mean by an Alexander direction could be forward and up or whatever. Um, that, that hands are a crucial component of Alexander teaching. And um, certainly the first lessons I had in Toronto many years ago uh, it was pretty much all hands, very little speaking. A te- I had a teacher whose English was limited, and he 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 pretty much got it all with hands. And I made a lot of progress and went on to train to be a teacher. And for a long time, I just assumed that hands were kind of a, a critical part of Alexander teaching. I guess the first crack in that occurred when I first met Marjorie Barstow. Mm-hmm. Um, who certainly had probably the finest hands out there, but she used them very sparingly, and I was struck by that. And I I often wondered to myself, how did she get all of these people in the large group she was working with, how did she get them all to make the changes that they did make with tiny you know, maybe a minute or two's worth of hands on, on any one student over the course of a morning. And I kind of put that aside when I started teaching. But um, in the last few years, uh, like you, I've been experimenting with using Skype to teach. And actually, I'm doing quite a bit of that now. And of course, there are no hands mm-hmm. with Skype. And I found, and I think you found, and I know a lot of teachers who are using Skype have found that they can actually uh, help people quite a bit with that process. And it got me to thinking just, you know, how important really are hands? And a little bit uh, what the history of hands are in Alexander teaching. 
I think it's a, a sort of the way you described when you said – I think it was Alexander who was talking to people and uh, seeing if he could get what he wanted by talking to them. And then he just decided to show them. Maybe he just thought it was easier. It's kind of – it's like this, and he started using his hands. That's uh, my uh, interpretation of the history of it. I think, yeah, I think that's what you get in maybe in Frank Pierce Jones's book. And Mm -hmm. it it may be true that uh, it was just easier for him to use his hands to to basically tell people with his hands what he meant with his words. Mm -hmm. Um, But we do we do have a couple of of uh, events from his teaching that that are a little bit hard to reconcile with that one of course is the teaching of the first or one of the first alexander technique teachers his brother Mm -hmm. who evidently uh did not have any hands-on instruction right Uh, and we don't know about some of the early people alexander trained there were a bunch of them uh, in in Australia before he even got to England, there are at least two or three, and we don't know like people like Ethel Webb or Irene Tasker. Did they get hands-on work or not? It's a little unclear. I certainly don't know, but I do want to ask you about something that you said a while ago. Mm-hmm. That uh, one of the first teachers was uh, using all. It was almost all hands. And very little my, uh, my first My first teacher, yeah. Right. right. And so my question is, what do you think uh, some of the drawbacks of that are before we talk about drawbacks of not using hands? Mm. Well, at the time, I had no idea about hands or no hands, and I just assumed the way he taught was the way the Alexander Technique was taught. And it worked. I made huge changes and, you know, went over to London to, to train. I think the downside uh, in retrospect was it it made people very dependent on him. Mm-hmm. Um, you kind of go and get your Alexander fix with him. And I would see that in other students of his that I knew. And in fact, I, I see that still to some extent with Alexander students that they, when they 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 get themselves into trouble, well, I got to go see my Alexander teacher. He's going to sort me out somehow. Going to sort you out somehow, and it's somehow getting sorted out that you can't sort out yourself. Yeah, and um, I think one of the things I learned from Marge uh, Marge Barstow was. She, I think in the back of her mind, she wanted people to get as much, to be able to look after themselves Mm -hmm. as much as they could at the time without her helping them. Right, which is sort of the idea of the whole technique, is that you, it's a do-it-yourself technique. Well, that's how it's sold, you know. We teach students how to look after themselves and become independent of teacher, and yet a lot of students are are in this mode of I've got to go get fixed by my by my Alexander teacher. It's a it's a it's a little inconsistency there. Perhaps it's not all one thing or the other. Maybe you could make progress on your own because you learn. I mean. Yet uh, the Alexander Technique is an educational process. Therefore, the student, I believe, has to become a teacher 
even if they have one student and that student is themselves. Mm -hmm. And so if you don't want to just repeat the feeling, Mm -hmm. I think it kind of felt like this or something like this and moving your head around and everything. But if you know some of the directions uh, through the teacher's hands and through the words, Mm -hmm. then you have a better chance of uh, doing it yourself when you're not – yeah. And when you're walking around the street or doing anything else. Yeah, I, I'm not saying that hands aren't can't be extremely useful, and I certainly use them in, in my in-person teaching. But I have started to think about the advantages of not using hands, and that's been, as I said, brought on by Skype and also uh, by some recent Facebook posts by an, a British teacher, John Hunter, Mm-hmm. I think you've probably seen some of those where he's talked about various senior teachers he studied with, all people who were trained by Alexander, and in, in one of them with uh, with uh, his experiences with Erica Whitaker, who was one of the teachers Alexander trained in the 30s and died fairly recently, I think, um, he he quotes, he's, he told her... Uh, a story that Margaret Goldie, another teacher who trained with Alexander, had told him about FM saying after class, after a teacher training class one day, Alexander is quoted as saying, they are all in such a hurry to use their hands. Mm -hmm. I'm waiting for the one who isn't. Right. And... um, that was checked out with Walter Carrington, who who uh, said that in, it was indeed true that Alexander had said that. Right. And I wonder whether. Well, I wonder whether Alexander's use of hands came about just because it was easier to teach that way. I I I just don't know. But it got me to thinking about hands and certainly using Skype. I'm sure your use of Skype has got you to thinking about hands, right? Yes, and and also I just wanted to add as part of training where I went to school, ACAT in New York here. Right. I mean, I remember we spent uh, time and I practiced teaching only with words and no hands, Mm -hmm. and also practicing a lot, no speaking at all, and just hands. Yeah. Just to develop those muscles. Right. And what did you find from those experiments? I found that uh, neither one is complete by itself. And if you have a chance to use both, use both. However, and I think this is kind of crucial, that either one is a ton better than nothing. Yes, absolutely. absolutely. So in other words, like, let's say you're teaching a large group class, I don't know, 40 people, and you don't put hands on everybody, mm-hmm. everyone. Is that still... I mean, this is a rhetorical question, but is that still the Alexander technique? Well, I think it is. Um, But then again, I've been very strongly influenced by Marge Barstow, who did Mm -hmm. just that. Now, she would use hands. Right. I don't don't remember any class where she absolutely never didn't use her hands. But the thing that was so striking is it wasn't just 40 people at one point. It was close to 100 people. And yeah, and and you know the amount of and she, it isn't as if she was was using her hands all the time to to get everyone 
whatever it would be, five or six minutes, you know, she mm-hmm. would use them very sparingly, even in a large group like that. Right. And yet, people made huge, huge changes. That's right. So, and I have to say, with Skype, which I've been doing more and more of lately, um, you know, I I find that people who are interested in learning this work, who who are willing to put some, devote some time, I don't want to say effort, because that's kind of not an Alexander way of thinking about it, but some, you know, devote some time exploring what we talk about in the sessions and and being okay making mistakes, mm-hmm. running little, I tend to put everything in terms of, phrase it in terms of experiments why don't you experiment with this and see what happens you know and try this and see what happens and then you can eventually learn what works and what doesn't work in terms of mental directions um i i find that people i I would be hard pressed to say that my private students are advance all that much more quickly than my skype students Hmm. be tough now it's a different different market different people sort themselves out in different ways but um more and more i i i can really not tell a huge difference yeah it's amazing i have uh, right now just one skype student but she was in real quick i don't think she'd mind me saying this i've actually spoken to her about it she was in pretty intense neck pain Mm mm-hmm she had uh she was dizzy for about a year a year and a half went to every doctor in the world extreme dizziness this dull ache in the back of her uh neck which turned into severe pain sometimes uh radiculopathy you know nerve pain tingling going on down to her hands mm-hmm. and um because of the power of the alexander technique within a couple of months it was cut in half and now it's cut in another half and she is uh, basically just about fine. This woman also has a, a couple of young kids, so it affected her life, her kids' life, her whole family life, a lot of other people. And because of the power of the Alexander Technique deck, it can even work with Skype. Mm-hmm. Um, she, you know, as far as does it help people, there's no, there's no question about it. Yeah, and as one person pointed out on Facebook... One thing about Skype is um, that students who are working with you with that know that they're going to have to do take take that responsibility. Mm -hmm. There's no coming to you for a hands-on fix, right? And then, so I'll say just so we don't get too much hate mail, Mm. that if there's a if there's an Alexander teacher around, go to the Alexander teacher. If there's a chance to put hands on, that's best. It's a it's a big component. Hands maybe yeah. crucial. Uh, it's integral, as you said. It's an integral part. But the question isn't whether it's better to have hands or no hands. The question is, is it better to have Alexander technique instruction with no hands or nothing? Exactly, exactly. And uh, this is a little bit anticipating another conversation I hope we'll have about posture and the Alexander technique. You said, but, the, you said the bad word. Robert. I did. I know. Um, but, you know, um, w- 
it, it we've all we've all been to posture school whether we know it or not and wouldn't it be good if we went to school even distance school with someone whose idea about posture makes a lot of sense that is an alexander teacher's ideas mm-hmm. as opposed to most posture advice but i i agree totally i mean that my student my skype students are all in locations where there are no alexander teachers anywhere near them it happens right now it's mostly southeast asia and amazingly enough croatia and i don't understand that but there it is Hmm. um and you know they make good progress not all of them some of them drop out after a few sessions and some but some continue for you know 10 15 20 sessions and are really make huge changes so I guess I guess really I um my purpose in in bringing up this topic is not to disparage the use of hands as I say I use them in my own teaching there's something very unique about a a good a good Alexander technique teacher's hands they have amazing um they can be extremely helpful in in helping you change your your physical well-being but mm-hmm. but i don't know that they are an essential crucial element to learning the technique i think that's kind of my my thought on the subject right now and then you were talking about uh, i think you were talking about some uh, advantages i mean there, there are actually some advantages i believe in that um yeah, the student has a responsibility to not uh, just receive something like any kind of a treatment idea. It's right. like they're doing it themselves completely. I've also uh, had students say, um, I want you to check something in my bedroom, mm-hmm. which is something I don't get to do at lessons very much. You know, mm-hmm. We go into uh, his bedroom, and he wanted to show me the pillow height. Oh, okay, yeah, was, that's an interesting I, I thing, thought. Yeah, yeah it, was in, it was interesting. And then with another student, we went into her kitchen. I mean, not just a kitchen, not right. just her kitchen. Her right. kitchen with her cabinets and yep. her kids there mm-hmm. who she was picking up. And I said, let's do that. It's Like you could get into, it's like a home uh, lesson. And not just uh, that, but a, it could be a work lesson. You know, I mean, at work, at, uh, yeah, yep, they, they yep. have they have Skype. Most people who have Skype at home would have it available at work, That's and right. you can work with someone sitting at their desk, or doing some specialized activity that would not be really possible for them to do in your in your studio because right. the equipment's not there. Yeah, so there is that advantage as well. So I I said to somebody after I just gave a Skype lesson, I said, it just works surprisingly well. I would say surprisingly. Yes. And I've done, you do the whispered ah. You're not putting hands on. You're listening. They're Mm -hmm. listening to you. I've done, of course, constructive rest. Mm -hmm. I see the book height. You know, you Mm -hmm. can, it's quite amazing. It's like um, if you don't, if you're missing a sense, the other ones get developed. Yeah. You really have to turn up your uh, sight, you know, your hearing and your sight. Yeah, and I, I have to say that having worked with Marge, who really emphasized observation 
I mean, she hugely emphasized that. It was almost like she was preparing us to do Skype lessons in retrospect, you know? Yeah. The other thing I would say is that one of the things that works really well with Skype, as with regular teaching, are negative directions. Mm -hmm. I am not statements. Or the very latest uh, that's come from Jennifer in Cincinnati, uh, the positive variant on those, um, those those kind of directions are seem to me to be particularly useful for working with someone at a distance. Hmm. They are not as easy to misinterpret. I mean, to tell someone to move their head delicately forward and up, I mean, that's a can of worms with Skype, but if you say hey, I'm not compressing my neck or I'm not tensing my neck or Jennifer's version, uh, my neck is free. And Uh, I am free. And I am free and all the rest of it, which is very powerful stuff. Uh, I refer listeners to another podcast on that topic. But those kind of things work really well with uh, Mm -hmm. with Skype. And all kinds of uh, experiments with language. Well, the kind of experiments that I get my students to run mostly involve me not having their hands on them as they're doing them, and they and someone can do that on Skype just as well. That's right. Yeah. So, anything else you can think of on this topic, Mark? This is uh, well, and I should say we're talking in uh, September. 2013, and my guess is if we had the same conversation a year or two later, we might have a lot of different things to say about it. I'm sure we would. Because Skype is just opening up big time now. There are dozens and dozens of teachers who are using it. Um, And teachers of all types, not only Alexander teachers, but there's a big... uh, I'm thinking about somebody who posted something on Facebook, a uh, singer who was having some trouble. Mm Mm-hmm. And uh, in I know in jazz, mm-hmm. teachers are using Skype like it's it's completely changing how you teach because you don't necessarily have to touch somebody at all when you're teaching an, a musical instrument. Mm-hmm. I mean, maybe a beginner to put your fingers, but if you if you could play already, mm-hmm. the whole thing could be Skyped, and uh, it's working unbelievably well with master jazz players. Yep. Yep. They can hear the student, they can see the student, the student sees them and hears them and it's there's no it's almost like there's no barrier just about. Exactly, exactly. And I and and I guess my my point around Skype is that there's really no reason why Alexander's discoveries cannot be conveyed at a distance. I, I see no inherent lim- reason why that would not be the case. Because he himself used it because he wrote things that are called books. He wrote books, and we know. I, I met someone years ago in Toronto whose father lived in northern England back in the 30s, had all, had all these books from some strange guy called F.M. Alexander, and who corresponded with Alexander hmm. and got ideas of things to work on from Alexander because he couldn't get to London. 
There you go. So, and so I'm sure tweet. Alexander, if he were alive today, apart from tweeting regularly and being on Facebook, because mm-hmm. he was a publicity hound, he he'd have Skype set up in his studio. I'm a, I I can't imagine that he wouldn't actually. I I believe so too. I believe he'd want to spread the technique, and uh, it would be another way to do it. I believe he would use anything that's out there. Just like he used the books, pamphlets, brochures, yep. flyers. All of that. He he used that, so yes. So we're just really following in, in his footsteps. Yeah, kind of, yeah, I like that. Yeah. I like, we're following him. So maybe this would be a good point to, to bring our interview to an end. What do you think? I, I think it would. I, I would only add that... Um, at this point, you know, I've been teaching about 10 years, you know, mm-hmm. and I'm still working and I will continue to work on my hands. Well, yeah, absolutely. Skype or no Skype. Absolutely. And I will say I've been teaching just over 30 years now. Mm-hmm. And, you know, if you'd asked me about this t- 10 years ago, I would have been very dubious, very mm-hmm. dubious. I-, I would have said that's that's going to – that's sort of uh, – a bastardization of the Alexander technique. Which some people still believe. Oh, I'm and if, sure. And, yeah, and will yeah. continue to. That's, but that's I, right. I, I'm just going by my experience and the experience of people who I know using Skype and students who've used Skype. And I, I think the track record is there. So mm-hmm. hopefully there'll be a lot, we'll have more conversations on this topic because I think we're just scratching the surface here, really. Right. It's just just the beginnings. Anyway, uh, well, my guest and interviewer today has been Mark Josephsberg, an Alexander teacher in Manhattan, teaches in the Chelsea and Flatiron area. If, um, if you live in that part of the world and you're interested in lessons, uh, we'll put a link to Mark's website by the uh, by the interview. Both of us teach on Skype, so if you want to explore Skype sessions with either of us or um, and, uh, other teachers who teach with Skype, we'll put a link to a page that lists some of the teachers who do it. I think there's there are quite a few teachers who don't feel comfortable, comfortable being listed on that page just yet, but yes. I know of at least... 30 or 40 teachers who are actively using Skype these days. Anyway, so, Mark, thanks so much for this. Thank you, Robert.